Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Hello and welcome to another edition of Stampede Radio. I'm your host, Chris Blystone, and I'm joined, as I always am, by Jim Campbell and Chris Shepard. How's it going, guys? Hey, Chris. Good. How you doing, Chris? I'm doing all right. Uh, apart from the fact that you know, I almost missed our show because I fell asleep putting my uh, infant child to sleep, and it, it backfired on me and just about missed the show entirely. So other than that, I'm doing pretty well. The power naps apparently are a good thing for podcasting, and I'm, I'm amped up and ready now that I've got my coffee. And now I'm you're power go. podcasting. That's right. I mean, this or, or are you podcasting with power? I'm going to say both of those things. I'm I-formation okay. podcasting. <laughs> Could go either way, really. Yeah. yeah. We'll put it out to our listeners. Start a poll or something. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> lots to talk about today, guys. Uh, we had an exciting game, exciting week one. It went, I think, pretty similarly to the way that we talked about that it might go. Actually, a lot of the things that were surprising to many probably weren't surprising to people who listened to the show. And basically, a lot of the stuff that we said was going to happen happened. So, you know, Congratulations to us for being way smarter than everybody else, I think, is the moral of this story here. Um, <laughs> I've, I've never been involved yeah. in such a cadre. And and for those of you who are disgusted by that level of arrogance, know that it's only because we're taking <laughs> know that it's because we're, we're taking advantage of probably the only opportunity we'll have where that will play out the way that we uh, expect things to. And we have to pat ourselves on the back before the opportunity never presents itself again. So we had the um, entire offseason to prepare those predictions. They are going to be the best predictions possible. <laughs> well, so. I might brag a little bit about, you know, when I get things right, but just know, no matter what you do, you will have done nothing as, as with, with less value than the amount of time I take to prepare to know these things about Indianapolis Colts games on Sunday. It's just, whatever you're doing with your life, it's probably worth more than what I've done with my life. So just know, just know that I'm bragging a little bit because it's the only thing I can brag about. But we do it for you, people. So absolutely. Mm-hmm. So enjoy, enjoy our you know waste of of our time on your behalf. Mm-hmm. We hope that it's we yes, hope that you really do enjoy it. So so game played out kind of like we thought it might. Uh, obviously, tough loss for the Colts, and um, there were a lot of things to really to be encouraged about. And we're going to talk about that in the show. We're going to talk about some winners and losers uh, from that first week one matchup with the Chargers and. Then we're going to get into 
uh, a new segment, actually, and you'll we'll have to let us know what you think about it. But we're going to be doing a new seg- segment for this particular show, the Wednesday show, called What I'm Overreacting To. And we talked about at the bottom of last week's show, at the game preview show, that whatever happened, people were going to overreact. And we're not immune to that. We overreact just like everyone else does. We just are a little bit more aware of it sometimes than your average everyday fan. And we're trying to negate that as much as possible. So we're going to be talking about things we're overreacting to and kind of kicking those around and seeing if the things we're overreacting to are actually legitimate or if we're in fact just overreacting and being ridiculous. And, and it may be a little bit of both or somewhere in between, but we're going to, we're going to kick that around a little bit and see what we've got there. And then to finish out, we're going to uh, drop our actual takeaways from week one in terms of the team, the season, uh, a player, whatever it might be, a takeaway, one takeaway for each of us from this game, and then we'll get you out of here. So to get things started, before we get into that, I want to get into a little bit of news. There's not a lot, and most of it's probably, you know, what, what we're going to talk about, you probably have heard at this point, but obviously big news in the Colts wide receiver group is that they've lost another receiver. Devin Funches is going to be headed to IR with a broken collarbone. And that sucks. I mean, he he looked pretty good in, in the game. He wasn't a huge contributor individually, but none of the receivers other than T.Y. Hilton really were. It was a pretty evenly spread out uh, workload in terms of the passing game. And so they've, they've lost Devin Funches. He's going to go to IR. He is not, according to Frank Reich, out for the season. Likely designation, or well, he doesn't have to be designated, but likely a guy who is going to return from IR, but he will be out at least eight weeks in order to rehab that injury. Six to eight weeks is usually the, is the usual timetable for a normal non superstar athlete type human being. I don't know that bones heal that differently for elite athletes than they do for anyone else, but six to eight weeks probably is the turnaround time. And that's how long he'll be uh, unavailable because of IR as well. But that brings him back middle of November. Um, what, are, what are your thoughts guys? How, how do we, I mean, who replaces him? What are we looking at in terms of the loss of Funchess going forward? I think um, <laughs> make fun of me if you want, but I think Dion Kane could uh, could step in and play a bigger role. Um, I, I really do. I think that, but based on you know what we saw, I think that that's uh, that could be a realistic role for him. Uh, I think Paris Campbell's probably going to get a larger workload going forward. I think that was going to happen either way, but now uh, that's going to be accelerated a little bit. But, um, you know, it, it hurts to lose him. But, you know, I think that there are other good young options on the the team that we'll get to see fill in. Yeah, that's it's definitely exciting uh, to see Dion Kane taking on a bigger role. I mean, it does sound like that's a role that he expects to take on based on what he said. And I'm relatively certain that this was just organized directly with the Colts coaching staff. Devin mm-hmm. Funches is not actually hurt. He just really wants to stick at the shepherd. Um, he's just, he's just going to take half the season off yeah. just to let Deion Kane step it up. That's probably what's happening because yeah, that's really nice of him. It's not like he's on a one-year prove it deal or anything. So yeah, yeah. That, that should work out great for he's, him. He's very confident about the back half of his season. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's a little rough. I mean, the Colts have now lost, you know, Reese Fountain and Devin Funches, and that's not nothing. I mean, that that stings because that's a significant chunk of of your depth at, at wide receiver. But also, if you looked on Sunday, they never felt like they were 
forcing the ball to any one guy or had to because they've got a lot of depth in pass catchers. And obviously we're going to talk about uh, their running game and how that played a factor. So it's it's not great. And of course, you're not thrilled about losing a guy who provides the kind of advantage and matchup advantage on the field that Devin Funches does. But he's not gone forever. If they can make it to the middle of November, maybe they get him back in time to make a run at the playoffs. So uh, hopefully he gets healed up and, and is able to make it make his way back. And then the other bit of news that that came out today was that the NFL, uh, the, the Colts sent the call, um, the, the penalty that was that Danico Autry was flagged for unnecessary roughness on a field goal. The first score of the game uh, on Sunday, he was flagged for an unnecessary roughness going for uh, contacting the head or defenseless uh Something I was very confused about the exact rule they were referencing, but basically hitting the head of the long snapper or, you know, a hit on a defenseless player or something to that effect. But it was considered an unnecessary roughness penalty and obviously negated a, a field goal and gave a first down to the Chargers, who then were able to score a touchdown. And so definitely a significant part of that game. And I'm not sure that it makes me feel a whole lot better to find out that, you know, that this was in fact a mistake by the officials. It kind of made me sick to my stomach because of how close this game was. But honestly, it also in some ways made me feel better because with so many extenuating circumstances in this game, the Colts really did pretty well. I mean, if you look at it through a certain lens, it kind of, it's kind of like a I don't know. It kind of can encourage you a little bit and say, okay, well, if this goes a different way, this is a win. And some of these things were out of our control. Yeah. It's, it's actually been a a while since I can remember actually not feeling terrible about a loss. I mean, it also helps that I predicted it. So, you know, I get to toot my own horn a little bit, (laughs) but uh, it's, there was a lot to like about this, this showing and, unfortunate circumstances made us walk away with an L instead of a W and that sucks, but uh, they put a pretty good product on the field. Yeah. Um, it was frustrating to see that it's frustrating to see calls like that. It was frustrating after to find this out after having watched Monday night football, where they botched the the time clock thing for the saints in the saints uh, Texans game. It didn't in, end up having any impact necessarily on that game's outcome, but it's, frustra- it's frustrating, and it always brings me back to the thought process of why is it that we don't have full-time officials in a league that makes so much money? It doesn't make sense to me, and I think that that could be something that would be an, an improvement. I mean, if you have guys who do this professionally full-time as their job, who are paid well to do it instead of having this as a part-time gig, could they be better trained? Could they be working year-round on some of these calls? I just think that maybe the NFL could be doing better. So it's a little frustrating, but ultimately it didn't. It's not. There's not anything we can do about it going forward. It does, you know, offer some level of encouragement that at least Danico Audrey didn't make such a boneheaded penalty and, you know, and and really kind of screw us in that that moment. So that's all I got in terms of news, guys. Um, what I'd like to do now, we're going to go ahead and jump into the winners and losers segment here. So Shepard, go ahead and get us started uh, with your first winner from this game. Even though we we lost the game, I do think there were a fair number of winners. So your first one. Sure. Yeah. So, um, I think really, um, if I'm, if I'm going to pick one guy to be my number one winner, how can you not go with Marlon Mack? Um, the guy went out 
25 carries, 174 yards, got that long touchdown run. Um, Marlon Mack, you got to call him a winner on the day. Yeah, I mean, Mack looked incredible, and it was really mostly the second half. I don't know if they had a pep talk in the second half, if they changed their play calling, or if the – I don't really know what took place at halftime with with regard to the offensive linemen, but they talked about uh, – Stephen Holder talked about that, you know, Quentin Nelson said – at halftime, he had told Frank Reich, "Keep them coming, keep calling them," uh, and he wanted the he wanted the runs to continue because they they knew they were going to get somewhere. They were going to start uh, making ground there on some of those runs, and it, you know that's the way it went. I mean, it, yes, there was the sixty five yard touchdown run. Um, I think it's sixty five, sixty something yard yard touchdown run uh, that he broke off, and that was a significant chunk. But you don't get one hundred and seventy four yards without having a lot of other really nice quality runs. And he just was unstoppable. Yeah. Well, and did you see that he had half of his shoe on in that long run too? Yes. I was like, I didn't see that. <laughs> yeah. It's it barely on. Yeah. It, yeah. He's basically, they did, they did a side picture of him and he's basically like, it's like he tried to slip his shoe on and his heel popped out and he just kept running. He basically looks like he's wearing a croc on yeah. one foot as he's running down the field. Well, I mean, it's you know, at that, ridiculous. Point, at that point, you're committed. You're not going to stop and put it on. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm just impressed that he could keep the thing on. I'm, oh, yeah. I'm just thinking like, man, I'd, I'd be in my sock running down the field. That's just an absurd and, situation to find yourself in and didn't seem to affect him at all. I don't know where it happened in the run. Was it when uh, they tried to take him down about like the the five yard line and he hyped yeah, them? Something like that. But it, uh, it's kind of crazy because i mean he goes yeah. the majority of that run with his shoe i mean because he's still breaking away from the pack when the pic- in this picture that they've got of him so it's it's at some point not too far into it and he still goes most of the length of that run with his shoe halfway on so crazy, crazy. week for marlon mack and a great sign for the colts this is not a defense that gave up that kind of run game last year I mean, yeah, they were missing Derwin James. That makes a big difference because that last line of defense is one of their best players, and he wasn't there. But at the same time, they didn't give. Yeah, at the same time, they were missing Derwin James, but the rest of the defense was as healthy as they've been in 16 months. I mean, one guy. I mean, it's one guy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. It's one of those things, again, it would be very easy, and this is not one of our overreactions, so I'm not spoiling it. It'd be very easy to overreact or to think you're overreacting to the idea of Marlon Mack, but it's also pretty hard to overreact to having 174 rushing yards in a game. That's that's I think getting excited about that is appropriate. I mean, when when he comes out, and we talked about this in our in our uh, in our chat uh, throughout the week, that it's like Marlon Mack could could go out and run 50 yards next week and still be leading the league in rushing after this week. It's insane. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he, he averaged, he was averaging uh, seven, like I believe it was a seven yards per carry. Mm -hmm. And Andrew Luck averaged 7.2 per pass last year. It's like, who needs, who needs the pass game when you can run like that? Right. So truly impressive performance. Yeah. If you, that, that's two downs and you got a first down every time. I mean, that's, you know, obviously not how it worked out, but seven yards of carry, just keep handing the ball off. Don't ever stop. 
Yeah, I saw some people on Twitter complaining and you know talking about the conservative play calling or um, Jacoby Brissett, you know, looking at his numbers and saying that somehow that was a reflection on him. And it was just, I thought that was just completely silly because it's like, man, you go with the guy who's got the hot hand and if he keeps running that way, you never stop. You just keep giving him the ball. Yeah, you just keep feeding him that ball. Because Mm -hmm. you you can always start passing. I mean, you can always go back to the passing game if it's not working. But when it's working, why would you do anything different? It's much safer. And when your, your offensive line is just mauling people and getting to the second level consistently like that, why would you not constantly throw Marlon Mack behind them? Right. You see, sense. you'll see the Patriots and I think everybody hates the Patriots. Obviously that's number one, but I think that most of us, if we're being objective would agree that Bill Belichick's probably the best coach of this generation by far. Um, and you can certainly make the, the case that he's the best coach ever. Uh, and you'll often see the Patriots run the same play, especially if it's a running play over and over, they'll run it four or five. They'll run it 10 times in a row if it's working, they're not going to stop running it until you make them stop it. At the end of the day, that's football. It doesn't matter if the, the play calling is conservative. If it's working, who cares? Keep doing it until they stop it. Well, didn't you break it down, uh, Shepard, in your uh, in one of your uh, scouting reports? Or at least it, maybe it was the, the passing offense uh, re- scouting report. Yeah, it was the spot. It was the, con- the spot concept. Yeah, yeah. like if, mm-hmm. if they're yeah. clearly not picking up what you're putting down, just keep doing it. Right. Well, and there's no re- I mean, you don't get points for originality in your in your play calling. You get points for scoring touchdowns. <laughs> you, you know, you yeah. like you don't you don't get right. like there's right. no creativity award or anything at the end of the game. And so if you're able to continue running effectively, you just keep doing that. Unless of course you're running you're running into a time crunch. And when we saw the Colts do that, they did move the ball effectively through the air when they needed to. So I don't think that that held any water. That argument was mm-hmm. silly. Uh, it, it just was taking props away from a guy who definitely was a winner this week. And I, I agree completely, Shepard, that he is is a guy that deserves that recognition. Um, so who do you have, Jim, since Shepard took the good one? Uh, I'll, I'll take Jacoby. <laughs> Uh, oh, you guys are jerks. Yeah, a terrible person. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the the numbers I thought were fine. I mean, you, you can't get much more balanced offense than what they had in the grand scheme of things when you look at Jacoby's passing numbers and then what Marlon Mack had. And uh, so I think everybody came and did what they were asked to do for the most part on that offense and Jacoby as much, if not more than anybody, because there was so much expectations uh, or questions about what he was going to do. And he got out and he just did his thing. He, he had good ball placement. Um, you know, he maybe didn't have some of the greatest decisions like that first pass the cane. I'm still a little baffled about, but it, it worked out fine in the grand scheme of things. Uh, about the only time I really saw him just put way too much heat on the ball in a bad situations where he almost took out Doyle's head. Um, yeah, so I was concerned he, that he'd even. Pulled. I was concerned Doyle was going to have to enter concussion protocol after that. Yeah, <laughs> you see his head snap back. I mean, it, <laughs> uh, I've heard I've heard that thing hit people live, and it doesn't sound pleasant. So I can't imagine getting one of those all Jacoby's arm in your face is is got to be something that's not pleasant. But uh, otherwise, I thought he actually had good ball placement in general, um, 
And there's a couple, you know, uh, catches that he should have got back, like, you know, well, the, the ultimate reverse touchdown or non-touchdown from Ebron. Uh, there was uh, a couple fairly deep passes to uh, T.Y. that was pretty good. Uh, but, you know, defenders made a good play. So I think all in all, Jacoby did fine. And I think we've brought it up in our Slack, uh, chat before that, you know, this this would not have been any different of an outcome if Andrew Luck was under center. Yeah, I I totally agree with that. And to be, to kind of piggyback on, and I won't yeah. talk about the outcome of the Ebron uh, touchdown because I have strong feelings about it, and not everybody agrees with me uh, that that was a complete ripoff and should have been a touchdown. I do. But, I'm um, there with you. But the but the pass. If, if we're just strictly talking about the pass, that was an Andrew Luck level pass. I mean, yeah. it was a fantastic throw. I watched it and thought this is an elite quarterback throw. Uh, I don't know that that Jacoby is an elite quarterback, but he can make elite throws when he needs to. Yeah. And that was one. Um, and, and it was just, yeah, I mean, you watch that. There are some of those throws that you watch a quarterback make and you go, wow, that not everybody can do that. That's, that's not a throw any quarterback can make. And it's exciting that he has that ability and he looked accurate. He took care of the ball. And that's always been a thing that he, that he's done pretty well is to take care of the ball, but he didn't, you know, hold the ball too long. He got it out of his hands quickly and overall did exactly what he needs to do all season long to win games. If he plays like that all season long and the team actually does what they, you know, takes care of their side of things. And, you know, we have special teams that, that holds up their end and defense holds up that this, this team's going to win a lot of games if that's the way that he plays all season. Yeah, I agree completely. So that first pass uh, to T.Y., that first touchdown uh, to T.Y. showed exactly where Jacoby's arm strength comes in handy. Uh, you know, we've seen Andrew Luck fit in those windows, too. But uh, I think you tweeted out, you tweeted it out, uh, Shepard, yeah. that, you know, this past game's no different. But and that he could potentially even fit that. Um, he could fit that in a tighter window if he needs to. And um, while we we sometimes lament his um, cannon of an arm, uh, it looks like there's some really good spots where it's going to pay off for us. Well, especially and especially especially if you've got a run game that works like our run game has been working, uh, the ability yeah. to yeah, utilize absolutely. play action and and take some deep shots, he's got the arm to do it. So it'll be really exciting to watch this season. I think mm-hmm. that was the most encouraging takeaway. Now, the thing that we're going to need to see going forward is can he do that consistently? Because now we've seen that he can do it. Now we need to see if he can do it week in and week out. That's going to be the the difference between what I would say is a mediocre starter to a great starter. Uh, if not elite, but great, I think he has a potential to be a great starter if he can consistently play at the level that he played last week. So, yep. All right. So you guys want my not go ahead. You want my not so hot? You want my not so hot take on Brissett? Absolutely. I think, I think Jacoby Brissett at the end of this season will be a Pro Bowl quarterback. Now I say that because going to the Pro Bowl as a quarterback is kind of a joke because nobody wants to go, but also because I think that he can play at, at a similar level that they played a uh, week one, and if he does that, that has shown me that that's actually he'll be one of the better quarterbacks at the Pro Bowl. Yeah, absolutely. I believe it. Um. Yeah. So. I'm going to take the next guy on the list here and we're just going to keep rolling on offense. Uh, T.Y. Hilton has to be in that on, on that list because he looked maybe as good in an opener as I've seen him in a really long time. He just 
he looked great. He did stuff. I mean, first of all, he caught a red zone touchdown, which I mean, you can maybe count on one hand the number of times that Ty has caught a red zone touchdown, and that's something that they talked about in the offseason wanting to emphasize and improve. But you know, he had that little quick slant, and he's in the end zone for a red zone touchdown. It was great, uh, and then he had the ridiculous touchdown. Yeah where he just decided he just willed himself to break two tackles. And I, I don't know if the defenders kind of went to sleep or what happened, but he just, you know, all 170 pounds of him just decided to break free and go, you know, score a touchdown. And the Colts really needed him to do that. He put them on their back. He didn't have crazy production, but he didn't have to. And he was definitely the favorite receiving target. And that's exciting. I mean, that's exciting to see him get off to that kind of a start. He understands his role of, in leadership with this team now as one of the most seasoned veterans. And he showed it on the field and through his play. And he was he was a critical part of the game when they needed him to be. And yeah, I think if he plays, if he if he has a, a season like he looks like he's going to, he's going to be off to a really nice season this year uh, based on just what we saw this game and what we've seen through camp. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, I think that it's important for Ty uh, to come out and to be able to produce with someone other than Andrew Luck, and it's something he's kind of always done, no matter who his quarterback was. But I mean, obviously, you know, you've seen his numbers dip, uh, and I don't necessarily think that that's going to happen this year with Jacoby. I think that overall the the passing and receiving numbers might dip a little for the whole team um, but just with what we saw on Sunday the fact that Jacoby's looking his way and he's going to feed him um, I think that you know T.Y. Uh, he's going to be up for a contract soon he's almost 30 um, that's usually not good but with the way we've seen Chris Ballard take care of guys um, I think that T.Y. wants to produce not only for that next contract um, but also just he's got to feel he's got to feel a little bit like that he needs to do it just for himself to show that you know as much as he loved Andrew that he can do it without him too it's not T.Y. Hilton isn't great because Andrew Luck was throwing in the ball T.Y. Hilton's great because he's great yeah I agree and he could he could probably be looking at something like a three-year deal or something that I mean he's not going to get a big a big long-term thing but I could see Ballard doing a three-year deal that doesn't have a ton of hit of stuff on the hook for that third year and you know a 32 year old 33 year old receiver if they're a veteran who is savvy and who can can avoid hits they can still be a big asset and if he hasn't fallen off you know he could still be really valuable to the team at that point as another, you know, kind of mentor to some of these younger guys. It's weird to think about T.Y. Hilton as the mentor, uh, older receiver figure, and it makes me feel super old, but uh, that's where we are. Yeah. It, and it's, it's, um, it's something I want people to remember is to, to not take him for granted because it is kind of getting late in his career for a wide receiver. And you know, with the way time flies and we're blinking, he'll be gone. And we're really going to miss that when T.Y. Hilton's gone. Um, you know, it, he wasn't just great because Andrew Luck threw him the ball. Andrew Luck threw him the ball because Andrew knew he was great and trusted him. Yeah. I mean, and he made and, he made things happen that we haven't yeah. had. I mean, like we've we've been very blessed in Indianapolis to have a really good run of receivers, obviously, because we have, you know, Marvin Reggie and then T.Y., and we've gotten to watch some exciting receiver play, but T.Y. is a different kind of receiver. And he just like he plays it, the game in a different way. 
I mean, you watch somebody like I watched on Monday Night Football and watched DeAndre Hopkins, and he's a crazy, exciting player to watch, but he doesn't play the receiver position the same way that T.Y. does. And T.Y.'s game is just kind of unique and exciting and interesting, and he really is kind of the ghost. I mean, you can kind of forget about him for a play, and then he just disappears behind the secondary, and there he is, you know, deep running free down the field, and it's just... Yeah, he's he's been just a joy to watch. And yeah, like you said, we can't take for granted uh, how fun it is to, to have seen him and, and definitely to appreciate what we've got left of him. Um, all right. So, Shepard, if you've got one more, let's go around one more time. And, and I think there's probably another round's worth of, of winners to be had here. If you've got one, go for it. Uh, so I'm going to, I'm probably going to take the next best one. Sorry guys. Um, it, this is my opinion, obviously. So you may have a different one, but uh, I think, uh, Kamoko Ture, uh, he, he went out and he looked really good. Um, and it, it's worth noting that he was working against a backup left tackle. Um, but he still looked good. He, he looked like that he was using his hands. Well, uh, he obviously had great get off which we would expect based on everything we know about him um but he he did show some pass rush ability some pass rush moves um which is good because before that uh, we hadn't really seen him do much we had just seen him try to use his athleticism and win that way and um while there are some guys that can win just solely on athleticism to raise a good athlete, but he's not that kind of athlete where very few guys are. Um, so, you know, it was good to see him go out, uh, get some pressure. He had a sack forced a fumble. Um, it, it was good to see him play the game at a, at a higher level than what we've seen him before. And, and I'm hoping that, you know, in the future we can, we can go forward and see more of that. And good news for Ture. There's a lot of bad O-line play in our division. So if he can That's just true. up that That's production, true. Uh, we've got plenty of bad players that he can bang himself against. Well, and he's going to be playing a backup tackle next week as well. So it's going to definitely be. Um, Spoiler alert. Oh, my bad. My bad. <laughs> now that I've ruined the next show, there's no reason for you even to listen. Um, so, but. But in all seriousness, it was very good to see him using his hands to have a second move, to have something beyond. Oh, no. My, you know, speed rush didn't work. And now what? You know, this they, the tackle's gotten his hands on me and I'm now out of the play. That he, that was not the way he was. And I loved seeing the motor from him and just seeing like, you know, there was a play. And of course, because of the outcome, it may have escaped some people. But so the play immediately following when Trey gets the strip sack that is that come that's called back because of a penalty which was an awesome mm-hmm. play, uh, the, the first strip sack. So when he gets the strip sack, the play right after that, he is right behind Rivers. He gets around the end, and he is co- – I mean, and he, he has to work at it because Rivers kind of steps up in the pocket, and he basically doesn't give up on the play. Rivers is holding the ball, and, and you know, he gets rid of it just before Ture gets there. And, it like, I noticed specifically on that play that, like, he didn't stop. He was fighting the whole time. And that's what you like to see out of those young guys is that they're pursuing the play regardless. And, you know, that was encouraging to me that he's taken some of those steps because, yeah, like you said, he's up against backups, but he's showing signs of improvement. And that translates to the next level, even if it's not as effective right now. The fact that he's doing some of those things is going to translate when he's playing against against the top guys. And Jim, like you said, there's plenty of lousy ones out there. So even when he's up against starters, doesn't mean he's going to be up against quality starters all the time. Yep. Our, uh, our division's lousy with them. So it's going to be fun. <laughs> All right, Jim, who you got? 
Uh, I'm going to not talk too in depth about him because uh, we'll we'll go in uh, a bit deeper into another section with him. But uh, Malik Hooker, I thought, had a, a pretty fantastic day. I think, you know, most people would know why uh, because it's one of the most ridiculous interceptions I've ever witnessed uh, in my life. Uh, my, my friend <laughs> I was watching the game with just screamed, someone's been using the judge machine. And <laughs> I was like, yep, I've, I, I've never seen a football stick to a hand in such a manner. It was kind of crazy. Uh, I think uh, Rivers was taken aback by that, that interception quite a bit. But I think overall, Malik Hooker, not beyond that, actually had a pretty solid day. Uh, pretty good tackling. Um, maybe have some issues with how deep he was playing. Uh, but we'll talk about some of that later, I guess. In some other talks. Yeah, we'll Yeah, we'll dig in we'll dig in more on Hooker in our in our overreaction segment. Uh but yeah, we, we definitely want to talk about him a little bit more. He had a great game and and you know it's nice to get that right out of the gate, get that trademark moment, because to be honest, it shuts a lot of people up who were complaining about Hooker not making enough flashy plays. Uh, when you make a sports center top ten kind of a of a play right in the fir- the right out of the gate in the first game of the season that kind of quiets that noise down a little bit. And he can kind of coast on that for those people who don't understand safety play. Uh, he can coast on that for several weeks while people will can, and you could just point to that when people tell you the hooker's not doing anything, just be, you don't have to explain it to them because they won't understand anyway. You just say, yeah, but look at that and show them the highlight and they'll be like, oh yeah, okay, that's fine. Yep. All right. So, um, you know, I'm going to go to the only guy that I have left on my list and that's Dion Kane. And we talked a little bit at the top of the show about him stepping up and maybe into the role of Funchess, but Kane looked like he belonged. He looked like absolutely like a playmaker out there. Uh, he didn't get a ton of balls thrown his way, but he's definitely going to see more of that with Funchess, uh, you know, not being a part of this game. They had it, they had six receivers active in this game, which is a little little crazy and probably not something that we'll see every week. I'm not sure that they'll add another receiver. They may stick with five going forward. Uh, but they they may add a receiver, but I'm not sure they'll have six that they'll have six active every game like they did in this one. But it's probable that we're going to see more of Paris Campbell and more of Deion Kane. And he absolutely looked like a guy who was willing to fight for a ball. Uh, Jim, I think you you referenced earlier the one of the throws that was kind of dangerous that yeah, came in and and it it gave me like Scott Tolzien flashbacks of you know <laughs> these of these out routes that get picked off and run back and and it was close i mean it was a bullet and it would have you would have really had to have been reading it well but you know in years past i was thinking of philip dorset and how the thing that irritated me the most about dorset was that he would just let a ball come to him and let the corner jump the route and he wouldn't come back and fight for the ball and that was not Deion Kane. He was coming and fighting for the ball. He was going to take it away. He was going to get it. It was his. And that was apparent from his play on the field. And he just, he absolutely looked like a receiver who belongs in that group of guys and who could be a playmaker and continue to develop as a player. So, you know, not a whole lot more to say on that. Cause he, like I said, he only had two catches. He wasn't a huge impact player in the game, but he definitely looked like a guy who belonged on that field with the rest of them. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, despite all the the preseason talk that mostly came from me about Deion Kane, um, he, he really showed that he had some good traits uh, and he showed that he is he is certainly not a normal sixth round pick. Uh, and he's a guy that even even had Funches stayed healthy. Um, I think that he's a guy that 
proved that he is uh, he's worthy of of you know an expanded role, more playing time, and, and more opportunities to to go fight for balls and, and make some catches. And um, you know, it's a it's a long season. We don't know where he's going to end up, but I uh, I'm feeling pretty good about Deion Kane right now. Yeah, and both of his catches were contested, I believe, and both first downs. Mm-hmm. I think they were both conversions. I um, I think that's right. And and that first one to to stay eyes on the ball, you know, when that ball was coming with some heat once again, uh, with the defender, you know, understanding his his route and and, and locking down on him, uh, what could have been disastrous or at least, uh, you know, a, a lot of lesser receivers and in, an incompletion leading to a three and out. Um to get that first down and get that momentum uh, on his first play in an NFL game uh, is, is pretty awesome. And to see that, that fight from him is great and hope it continues. Yeah. It's just nice to have those options that you feel like they're a player that's going to be dependable on a third down. And it seemed like everybody on the field was that in this game. I didn't feel like, after watching this game, I feel like any of those players would make me feel pretty comfortable that yeah they're gonna they're gonna make a play they're gonna do their best you know to to make a play on third. That was exciting. It was nice to see. So excited for him. Hope to see more from him. Um, and and then and like we said, you know, if Funchess is able to come back, Kane may be well established by that point, and then you're just adding in another guy. You've given this this essentially rookie, even though it's his second year, you've essentially given this uh, de facto rookie an opportunity to develop throughout the season and then return your your really your number two guy back and, and put him in the whatever role you have for him. So exciting to see that development continue. But unfortunately, now we got to talk about the losers and there were several of those in this game. There were several. So, uh, Shepard, go ahead and get us started here. Who Who's your big loser uh, to kick things off? My big loser to kick things off. Uh, <laughs> so... I, you know, I, t- I was not trying to tee you up with, with a, with a pun or anything there, but yeah, well, you know, I'm trying hard to fight it. Um, so, um, it, I talked about this leading up to the game, uh, and I talked about how, how strongly I felt about the Colts run defense. Um, and so really if, you know, if I've got to pick one guy who I thought, um, really just came out and wet the bed, uh, I think that you've got to look at the interior defensive line. Um, you know, Marcus Hunt and Danico Autry, they they did not produce the way that I expected them to. Um, and so for me on the day, I mean, certainly there were other guys who um, who were losers, um, but those guys to me were the, were the biggest disappointment on the day, um, more so than some of the other guys that <laughs> that you guys are probably going to talk about. But yeah, just just the way that you know they weren't able to necessarily shut down the run game. Austin Eckler didn't have a huge day on the ground. I, I want to say that he averaged mid three, maybe maybe low four yards per carry. So he didn't have a, a huge day. Um, but their their second running back that um, I'm now going to forget the name of it was it Johnson Justin Justin Jackson Justin Jackson. Okay. 
Yeah, I thought it was Jays. Anytime he came in, that guy, he just took the ball and it was like <laughs> it was like our defensive line was like, oh, the backup's in. We can we can take this play off. I don't think that's actually what happened, but um, it certainly looked that way. Uh, and so, you know, he put up a big day on the ground um, just on four or five carries, I want to say. And so that that really tainted the whole thing. But really I can't, I can't look past what those guys, what I expected out of them and what they should have done based on what they did last year and then what they put on tape in week one this year. It just, it was, it was a really disappointing performance in week one for those guys. Yeah. I, Danico Autry and Marcus Hunt were both pretty disappointing and really uh, Jihad Ward as well. The, all three of those guys on the interior just didn't inspire a whole lot of, of excitement. And they they not only weren't able to really impact the run game significantly, they also didn't really provide a whole lot of disruption from the passing perspective either. And so, you know, you look at at that interior and I mean, we, we've talked about this before and, and you know, I, I broke down the actual big run plays. I think there are four or five run plays that they allowed of over 10 yards. Um, a couple like in the 19 to 25 ish range that they gave up and they didn't do that last year. Those, those didn't happen at all. And so that was a pretty big surprise and really big disappointment. And, and a lot of that started, uh, like you said, with the, those interior defensive linemen, not winning their one-on-one battles and letting guys get clean to the, to the second level to get a hat on a linebacker. And that's a problem when you get linebackers, the size of ours, mm-hmm. um, you don't have room for a whole lot of that. And it made it tough. It made it tough for our linebackers who also didn't have a very good day uh, in spite of that, or in addition to that, I guess. All right. Um, So Jim, who do you have for your loser for this? Uh, Let's see. I guess I'll take the low hanging fruit and I'll say Vinny flat out. uh, I'm going to talk a bit more about him here uh in the next segment but he's he's gotta go in this column and it sucks and you know had you i had predicted this game would be a loss but if you would have told me that it was going to be because of adam vinatieri uh missing three different kicks that is a good reason why we lost that game uh i i would not have believed you although i was worried about the knee injury up front uh in all season here I was hoping that, you know, it was going to be something he could bounce back from, but he is like 60 or something. So it sucks. I don't know what else to say about it. Yeah, well, we're definitely going to dig into that one because uh, we might be overreacting to that uh, here in this next segment. But um, yeah, I mean, he, he lost them the game. I mean, and he, he admitted it. He said it after in the locker room afterward, but. I mean, he lost them the game. They lost the game because of him. Now, there were other factors, obviously, and and that's always the case in any sport. But if he does his job, they win. Simple as that. Very, very frustrating and impossible not to get saddled with that loser title if you legitimately actually cause your team to lose. That's pretty much exactly the title of the the whole deal. So, yeah. Um, So, I actually had... So I talked about the linebackers. Anthony Walker was a a loser for me and I watched. So he had a weird game and and it's, this is a kind of like kind of a difficult one because there were some plays that he made that were really good, but there were also some plays that he made that were just terrible. And he had, he took some really bad angles, missed some tackles. Um, 
he consistently was getting hung up on blocks. And I know, so there's an argument to be made that it's unfair to judge these guys too harshly for getting hung up on their blocks because they're not really, you know, the size to be able to shed blocks as easily as, as a more traditional larger linebacker might be able to do, but they've got to do it. I mean, they have to, they have to be able to take the right angles. They have to find the right gaps and they have to be able to get off of their blocks. They just have to. Now they were also held a lot and so, again, I'm hedging here a little bit because there are some things that were working against him. But ultimately, you got to overcome that stuff. And, you know, Darius Leonard and Anthony Walker are a big part of the reason why the running game and the run defense was so well limited last year because they were in their gaps where they needed to be. They made good sound tackles and they were reliable to do what they needed to do. Maybe they weren't. Maybe, you know, Anthony Walker wasn't spectacular last season, but he was reliable. And in this game. He just wasn't quite right. He was not able to get off some of those blocks. And, you know, I, there were a couple of times specifically that you saw him get locked up with Hunter Henry and just not be able to get away. He was just, I mean, he just was taken out of the play by the tight end. And that was frustrating to watch. And I don't think that it's something that we should expect every time. But it definitely, to me, he came out as a loser in this game. Yeah, and I think that you, you kind of said something there about you know the ability of the smaller linebackers to get off of blocks. Ultimately, it doesn't matter if they can get off the blocks uh, as long as they're the first guy to the ball. Uh, and if, if for some reason you aren't the first guy to the ball and you're unable to get off blocks, then it's a problem. So it, you know, if you're the first guy to the ball because you can shed every blocker that that's coming your way, that's great. If you're the first guy to the ball because you can dip underneath them, outrun them, you're quicker than them, whatever the case may be. And you're the first guy to the ball. That's great too. Uh, but you, it's gotta be one of those. And if you're neither of those, well, then you're going to end up in the losers column on this here podcast. So sorry, don't know what to tell you. Yeah, and and I hope that he's not there often. I don't think that that's likely to happen. Right. There were several defensive performances from from good players, players who we've seen consistently play well, that make me think this is more of an of an anomaly. Um, I wouldn't put him in the in the loser category unless someone of you wants to throw him in the loser category after I'm done talking. Uh, I wouldn't put Kenny Moore in the loser category, but I saw him make a couple plays that I kind of had, had, was scratching my head, going, "What happened here?" Um, and everybody, Kenny Moore has played really well for the Colts. So it's not like you think that he's lost it or something. It, it, there were just some mental uh, gaps. There were some just things that didn't look like the defense that we've seen in the past. And uh, even Darius Leonard, you know, had probably his worst game as a Colt. I th- I thought maybe I'm, and maybe that's overstating it a little bit, but I mean, he, he was not the difference-making player that he was all of last season. And, you know, that that is kind of frustrating when you when you get a season like last season out of these guys and have them kind of underwhelm. That makes it a little frustrating. So um, do we have – now, I don't know if we have enough to go through this twice. Does, who else is – if you've got another loser, go ahead and throw him out there. I, I don't necessarily have a ton more, but if anybody's got one – Go for it. So uh, I see the the list that you'd put together. Um, you've got Rock Rock Yassin. Is that Rock Yassin or Rock Yassin? Yes. I don't know. <laughs> okay. All right. We'll, uh, we'll, gonna... we'll get him on the show and we'll ask oh, him. Oh, yeah. That's okay. All right. That's good. good. We should we should do that. Let's work. Let's work on on next Tuesday for the Wednesday show. We'll we'll get him on and just ask him that. Yeah, um, okay. I'm gonna. I'm going to stick with Rocky Sin. So I noticed that you had Rocky Sin on the list. Uh, he did with a question up, mark, <laughs> right? With a question mark, you did put a question mark. So I'm not going to I'm not going to throw you under the bus. It, it, 
Chris wasn't doing anything bad, people. It was just he was saying, "Hey, maybe." Um, I don't think necessarily that he he qualifies as a loser. Uh, he did. I mean, he gave up the touchdown to Keenan Allen. I mean, if you're going to give up your first career touchdown to anybody, it might as well be a guy as good as Keenan Allen. And he was um, in good position too. It wasn't like he was completely out of the play. Yeah, he he misplayed the ball, uh, and I think that that's something that has to do with the fact that one, Keenan Allen's good, and two, he's a rookie uh, coming out of Temple as a grad transfer. Uh, there are going to be some things that he's he's going to not look great on sometimes, and that was one of them. Um, so you know, I I think that you could certainly make the argument that he was a loser because he was the Colts' first. He's not a first round pick, but he was the first pick that the Colts had this year. So um, maybe you expected a little bit more. You can make that argument. I don't necessarily think that it's fair to do that. I think the fact that we we really only noticed him uh, a couple of times um, is pretty good for a rookie corner in his first game that played a lot of snaps. So um, you can you can make that argument. It's not one that I would necessarily make, um, but you know, good things I think are, are down the line for your son going forward. Yeah, I, I agree with you, and I, I that's why I put the question mark because I just it was one of those things where I his play was if he were not a rookie I would have been disappointed, but given the circumstances uh-huh. he played pretty well. Right. He didn't get picked on. I mean, a lot of times you see a rookie right. corner starting and they're going to get picked on, especially when you have a, a mm-hmm. Pro Bowl, uh, you know, probable Hall of Fame quarterback involved. They're going to get picked on, and I don't feel like he did. Sure, he got he got beat a little bit, but again, like you said, that's what's that's gonna what's yeah. gonna happen when you go up against a really talented receiver, and when you're a rookie, right? Yep. Yeah, and the thing that impressed me is that he he didn't back down. He he they didn't pick on him. He he wasn't intimidated. He wasn't scared. And everything that you hear about Rocky Sin, nothing makes you think that he would be. But you know, at the same time, it's nice to see him actually go out there and do it. You know. It, you can talk a lot and you can say a lot of things about guys, but until they actually go out there and prove that they're not going to back down, they are as tough as, as what, you know, people have said he is, um, you know, you, you've got some questions and it, it was good to see him not back down. It was good to see him not get picked on. Um, you know, he may, he may not always, he may not always make huge plays in his rookie year. Um, but it's good to know that you're not going to be able to bully him either. So, you know, Yasin, Yasin struggled a little bit, but you know he he might be in the losers category a lot with that question mark this year. That doesn't necessarily mean that it's a it's a bad rookie year for him. Definitely, definitely. Okay, Jim, do you have any more, or or have we covered what you had? Um, I guess just throw an honorable mention in there of just special teams yeah. in general. Yeah. Um, there was just a lot of sloppy special teams play. Um, you know, the, the opening kickoff, uh, return, mm-hmm. the blocked punt, um, mm-hmm. you know, they, I guess they somewhat deem themselves with the fumble recovery, uh, from the, the muffed punt because Rigo is still a, a, a pretty fantastic punter, uh, in general and put some wicked spin on that ball. So that's cool. But in general, I think, uh, special teams was a, a pretty low point for uh yeah game. absolutely i mean they they did not look good mm-hmm. on special teams really in any aspect and honestly i i feel like it's not even really like big props to them in my mind anyway for recovering that that muffed punt that's what you should do on special teams i mean that's that's your only job yeah. and they didn't they didn't force the fumble i mean he muffed the punt so you know that's kind of in my mind that's the expectation i i 
I guess you, you can get a cookie for doing that in my, in my mind, but I'm not ready to, you know, anoint George Odom as the best thing to happen to the Colts because of that. Even if Zach Hicks, you know, is, is in the George Odom fan club. Not to um, refrain from saying who recovered the kick. Yeah. Um, I didn't want to give Odom praise. I can't do it. Well, I, I, I don't dislike Odom, uh, but I, you know, it's just one of those things. That's, that's what you're supposed to do. And so I was pretty frustrated on the day with, with regard to special teams across the board. And yeah. obviously that's gotta be better. I mean, that that's been an area the Colts have been consistently good for a long time. And that makes a big difference. It's a small, it's an aspect of the game that a lot of people don't pay attention to, but it, it, makes a difference. it could, it could really hurt them if they don't have that figured out. And obviously we're going to get a little bit more into uh, the kicking specific stuff here in a minute, but you know, but a lot of those other phases are important too. So if all George Odom does is recover fumbles this year, guys, I think I'm okay with yeah. that. I, I'll be a big George Odom. Fan. I will, yeah. I will sign up. I'm not going to buy the Jersey, but I'll give them the praise. Okay. How about this? If George Odom recovers five fumbles this year, I will buy a George Odom jersey. I'll regret it, but I'll do it. You can. You can You'll can probably it. actually like go to the pro shop and be like, "I want an Odom jersey," and they'll be like, uh, "Who now? Uh, what?" Ballard's <laughs> big fan. I'll do it. like him. I'll buy it. The good thing is, if you wear a George Odom jersey, I think that means you don't have to stop at stoplights because, just like him, you can play well after the whistle and just <laughs> you can just T-bone people, right. and everybody will be like, "No, it's fine. That's totally fine." He's wearing a George Odom jersey. Like that was totally uncalled for. Cool. You just point to the Odom on your back. If I if I go. If I go to Colts games in a George Odom jersey, I think I'm going to get VIP treatment because everyone will just assume I'm related to him somehow. You're like, you're like that. That guy's a legit Colts fan. He's going deep cuts. He's the, he's he's a he's a hipster Colts fan. He's going for the the guy that nobody's got. And be like, I'm I'm board right. accountant. Right? Yeah. Like, ah, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> All right. Huh. Okay, guys, well, we're going to go really quick to uh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about our overreactions. Okay, guys, I want to talk to you about TickPick. TickPick is a great way to get tickets to see the Colts or any other sports, music or entertainment event of your choice. Not only will you save 10 to 15 percent off every ticket order, you can do it without any annoying fees at checkout. Think StubHub, but without the fees. Just head to TickPick.com, select your seats, and head to checkout. Get on your way to the next Colts game with TickPick. Hello, I'm Neil Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial Series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. 
But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it then in that moment. You don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of like afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. All right, so we're back, and because we were talking about special teams before the break, I'm going to go ahead and kick us off here with our what I'm overreacting to segment here. And what I'm overreacting to is Adam Vinatieri's game and really the continuation of some struggles from last season and lingering knee injuries. And if you recall back on uh, on a show during camp, I asked the question, you know, should the Colts even consider the possibility of moving on from Vinatieri and keeping somebody like Cole Hedlund, who had a really good camp and had a pretty good preseason, should they consider that given Vinatieri's age and his injuries and the fact that he had some like groin and hamstring kind of stuff that affected his kicking a little bit toward the mid to back part of the season last season. And, you know, we all kind of agreed that maybe that was an overreaction and that was maybe too much. And then we get to this game and we just have this just, I mean, brutal Missed extra point, two missed field goals, just critically bad game for Adam Vinatieri. First time I think they said in his career that he'd missed two field goals and an extra point in a game, and which is insane, by the way, um, but also not surprising because you don't do that very often and stay in the league. But he he just has this crushing game that, I mean, he single-handedly loses, and you just have to wonder. I mean, he's over on the sideline getting his knee massaged, and, you know, trying to be ready to go. And, and yeah, he's kicking on grass. There are all these extenuating circumstances and there'll be some who will say, yeah, but you shouldn't be leaving it to the kicker and all that. Ultimately, these guys are paid for a reason and you want them to be able to win the game. You want them to be able to come in and, and get those kicks. And he's been able to do that for a really long time, but the Colts have got a really tough situation on their hands because now they've got to take to, I mean, they got to address the circumstance of, are we being sentimental with this guy because he's 46 and he's a Colts legend and he's a football legend in general. Are we keeping this guy around past the point where it's practical to do so? And if that's the case, what's the next move? So they've got a really difficult couple weeks ahead of him because if he has a game like that next week, I think they got to get rid of him and I'm not sure how that goes down, but that's my overreaction uh, is that, you know, that maybe this is not going away and, and we need to be on the lookout for this in this Titans game to see how he looks. Well, I don't know how much of an overreaction it is. Cause if we go back to last season, uh, including the playoffs, aren't we looking at like, this is the third game in a row or something like that, that he's missed uh, kicks and, you know, maybe not as consistently as he missed on Sunday, but that's not normal Adam Vinatieri behavior. Um, so it, it it's might just be something that's been accumulating since last season, and that could be a problem. So the problem I see with getting rid of Vinatieri is the fact that he's a Hall of Famer. That's I mean, it's really not 
even up for debate at this point, uh, which is amazing because he's a kicker. There aren't a lot of kickers in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. But I think that if you ask anyone around the league, anyone that has any type of knowledge about the history of the game, Adam Vinatieri is one of, if not the greatest kicker of all time. So even just from you, obviously you want to have a kicker who can win you games, and that is the most important thing. But you don't you don't cut a Hall of Famer, right? It just in no. the middle of, in the middle of the season, it just seems wrong. I actually, me and my brother were texting back and forth. Shout out to uh, to Nick, you're not listening, but hey, shout out, man. Um, I, I was texting with my brother, and we were talking about this, and what we came up with was the idea that um, you, you can't cut Vinatieri, but they're going to have to throw him on IR and bring a kicker in. If if there's another game like this, I don't see. I don't know. I I don't know if they stick with him and try to give him three, three games. I think that that might be more likely. Um, but certainly if he comes out and looks like this again, um, uh, I'm going to be right there on the overreaction train with you, Chris. I, you know, I love Adam Vinatieri, but you know, he is, he's 46 years old. Um, you know, he, he could technically be my father that he would have been a young dad, but you know, people that old shouldn't, shouldn't be in the league most of the time. So, you know, it's going to be it's going to be rough watching it happen if it does happen i hope he can turn it around but yeah i'm i'm trying hard not to overreact right now but i think you're uh, i think you're on the right path well paris campbell wasn't even born yet when uh Benetieri took his first snaps in his nfl career so yeah, yeah it's it's just kind of unheard of. And I, I, Holder, uh, Stephen Holder put this out on Twitter uh, yesterday, and I think you're already seeing that Hall of Famer behavior because any other kicker would have been gone Monday morning. Well, and, and yeah. he's earned some license there. I mean, you don't, want, you don't, yeah, you don't sure. want to pull the trigger too quickly, and you don't want to behave rashly because, again, you have bad games. It's going to happen. But he was nursing a, an injury throughout the, the offseason. And we've talked about he's not getting any younger and you're not going to get healthier. I mean, it just doesn't have, it's not the way bodies work. Um, so, I mean, it's one of those things where the concern is if he is struggling with injury now, is that ever going to improve this season? Because even if he has an okay game for a couple of games, this is a team that has playoff aspirations. They don't, they're not ready to, to phone it in and say, Hey, we, we hope we get a wild card bid and, and then, you know, get bounced. This team wants to believe that they can win a Super Bowl if things break right. And you can't do that with a kicker who is going to be gimpy in the playoffs. And so they've, they're thinking about that stuff. They have, it's a very difficult position that I'm glad Chris Ballard and not I am in because like you said, you don't cut hall of famers except for that. The Colts have, you know, very notoriously cut Cut hall Hall of of famers. (laughs) So, well, it's because they thought they were drafting another one. So, I mean, you know, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. So it's it's definitely a tough situation. I'm glad, like I said, that I'm not the one who has to make that call. But I am kind of hitting the panic button and overreacting a little bit to that performance, especially after you know he missed an extra point and a field goal in the uh, divisional round of the playoffs. So that's those last two. His last two NFL games have involved uncharacteristically bad performances, and that's that's not encouraging to me. So that's my overreaction, Jim. How about yours? All right, let's be positive now. And did you guys see uh, Hooker's inception? Uh, yeah, it was pretty good. You like that? No, I missed it. What happened? Oh, it was real cool. Like, he came out of nowhere, 
from the middle of the end zone and just sucked that ball out one handed. And I don't know how I missed it. I'm just kidding. It's I incredible. It. It amazing. But um, <laughs> everybody saw it. It's amazing. It's you know, one of the best highlight reels of the weekend. Uh, it's and I I'm going to overreact and say I expect that almost every game from him at this point. Um, if, if not even that, just the level of play that I think in general that he had uh, throughout the game. Uh, he wasn't targeted a ton, but I think what the passer rating for Rivers was like 20 or something like that when he was throwing in Hooker's direction. And uh, Rivers actually had a pretty good uh, qu- uh, comment after the game of, you know, he's like, well, I'd be lying if I didn't see him, but I just didn't think he'd be there. And if he was going to be there, he was going to play the body and not the ball. And sometimes you guys make a great play, and he made a great play. And I, I think that's the kind of play we expect out of him. And what we were starting to see before he, he got hurt his rookie season, and I, I think I've said this once before in my predictions, and you guys probably have too, a fully healthy uh, hooker is going to be a really interesting thing to see uh, on this team because I don't think we've got to see what he's really capable of yet. Yeah, um, I... I... I loved that quote from, from Philip Rivers because he, yeah, he basically says, oh, I saw him. I just didn't think there was any way he could get there. <laughs> and when you look at the angle that he has, when you look at the behind the the offensive line angle and watch that play unfold, it's pretty easy to see why you would make that call if you're Philip Rivers because a normal human is not yeah. going to get there and they're not going to make a play on that ball. And And I showed it to one of my buddies today who is a bears fan and needed to see something exciting because he, 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 he had a rough week. Um, and, I, and I showed him this, this play and he's like, he had to watch it three times. He's like the first time he watches like, wait, that was a touchdown. What, what happened? I don't understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, it's insane. He, he just snaps the ball out of there and just I mean, and he did it in camp. I mean, he had he had a play almost exactly like this in camp. One handed catch just that same way. You realize looking at it, how massive this dude's hand is yeah. um, that he's just yeah, he's just a he's a large dude, but long arms, big guy, very rangy. Like you said, he's back to 100 percent. But here's why I think you're overreacting. I don't think that people are going to throw at him that much. <laughs> I think that yeah, there lies the problem. <laughs> I don't think he's going to do this every game because I think it's going to take very little time for people to say, Oh, uh, Malik hooker is there. We should not go that way or anywhere close to that way. Well, that's fine. You know, cause as much zone and stuff was, as we play, that means a large portion of the field is just, you know, off limits to quarterbacks. So narrow them down. That's fine. So when uh, Chris, I'm going to have to disagree with you, and I'm going to have to agree with Jim on this one. Uh, I'm I think I might be overreacting on on Hooker too, but just because they the Colts still are going to use a lot of zone coverage, but I don't know if you guys noticed how often they were in a, a more of a man to man look with a single high safety, with that single high safety being Hooker. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually, the the Colts are going to get looks when they're in man coverage where. They're not going to, the offense isn't going to have any choice other than to throw the ball deep. And when they throw the ball deep, Hooker is the guy who's going to be making up that ground to go over and, and get that ball. So I agree. He's not going to get a lot of, he's not going to get a lot of looks when they're, when they have a two, 
two safety high look. So anytime they're in a cover two, cover four, I think they're probably going to try to stay away from his side of the field. But when the Colts drop, if they continue to, to go to that, you know, the, the single high safety look, either they're playing a cover three or they're playing man cover one with Hooker being the single high guy, um, it's not going to matter. Hooker's going to get some looks and he's going to have some opportunities and, um, you know, I'm uh, I'm here for uh, I'm here for the the Malik Hooker 10, 10 interception season. Let's do it. Yeah, and and when he is that single high safety, it kind of doesn't matter where you right. throw it deep because right. his closing speed is just unreal. Yep. He's gonna get there. So even if he doesn't get there, you know, to jump the route, he's gonna make a play on the ball. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. and and not to dig too much because obviously you're talking about you know his his ability to make takeaways, but also. He had a really good game otherwise. I mean, I watched – he made a lot of – he was reacting more quickly and instinctively. And again, we forget because of how talented and athletic that this guy is that he's a pretty new guy to the safety position. I mean, he started one year at safety for Ohio State. And so this is not a guy who's just had a ton of experience here. He's new in this role and still developing. And he was making really good decisive moves toward the ball. Uh, there's a play, and it was a screw-up – I mean – it was ultimately a failure, but the uh, one of the long runs that the Chargers broke out on the Colts, um, basically everybody in that play had failed. Hooker identifies that uh, Rocky Sin is being drawn off on a deep route and that he's the guy who basically would be able to uh, to get the edge to set the edge. Kenny Moore gets sucked in and he's not going to be there to, to get to the edge. And here comes Hooker just like blazing up from the back to set that edge. And then he whiffs on the tackle and sort of ruins it. But his, <laughs> but the point is <laughs> that, that he identified the play and, and reacted instinctively. Got a finish, but it's encouraging to see his reaction times uh, be quicker. His closing speed is insane. And I just think that there's a lot to be excited about this season for Blake Hooker. So I, I'm, I guess I'm, not I'm properly reacting. I'm going to say you guys. Are, I'm going to say you two are overreacting. I'm, I'm properly reacting. Um, what I'm about to say, I think his tackling was actually even better. Aside from that one example you you gave, I thought he was when he did make tackles, he was wrapping guys up a lot better. He was taking better angles in general, which yep. was a huge knock uh, on him coming out of college. So I think he's cleaned a lot yep. of that up, and it goes to a maturity that he's had, which is incredible since he missed the bulk of his rookie season and you know was, was not in the greatest shape last season still. Uh, to see him make those strides uh, along with getting back to his you know rangy uh, turnover machine form, uh, really, yeah, I call me re- overreacting, that's fine, but I think uh, Shepard and I are going to continue to do that for the rest of the season. You know, I said 10 interceptions. I think I was low. Yeah. I think he's going to get one every game. 16 picks this year, boys. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. No, yeah. that, I, I can get Wonderful. on board with that. That sounds totally <laughs> logical. So so I need a, I need a vote, yay or nay. We have to – I mean, if, if – if, Hooker is in a single high mm-hmm. coverage look. You need to have the, the you got to give the broadcast team something. I mean, you know, you had Revis Island. How about the red light district? For, uh, for, That's pretty good. I like it. I, I feel I feel like that could uh, be perfectly inappropriate for. I, I I just need to hear Tony Romo talking about the red light district. That seems like I'll, that I was going to say it's a shame Gruden isn't still calling games because that seems perfect for a Grudenism. Yeah. That's guys. This really seems more like a Pat McAfee thing. Oh, there we I go. Think, I, think, 
Yeah, he's calling games now. I think that that would be the only way the red light district became a thing. <laughs> I feel like the red light district is kind of tame for Pat. I feel like he would be calling it like chlamydia corner or something. I mean, I just feel like it would. I feel like he well, would. Take, I feel like he would take it a step farther. Maybe. Maybe I'm you're overreacting. Maybe not. Yeah, maybe not on CBS. <laughs> maybe on the podcast. I could get I a, get away with that on Fox. I think. Yeah, I think. I think maybe I'm overreacting on the ability of uh, Malik Hooker to handle uh, name related humor. I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I feel like he would not approve of of any of those nicknames. But maybe <laughs> it's, it's hard telling. Um, all right. So Shepard, what is your overreaction? So I, you know, I talked about this when we talked about the losers, um, but my overreaction, it's the run defense. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I can't help but sit back and look at it. And, and I, I really thought this year coming into the season, that was, that was the strength of the defense. I thought, you know, if Justin Houston pans out, we were going to be able to get after the quarterback a little bit and Houston looked good. He looked like he could do that. But um, the one thing I thought that they were really going to excel at was, stuffing the run um they were good there a lot last year and then they come out in this this week and in this past week and you know they they just laid an egg they they were not great they weren't the dominant force i expected them to be uh i did feel that the chargers offensive line was better than a lot of people gave them credit for so i'm not gonna i'm not gonna back out on that now but with that said they aren't the best offensive line we're going to play this year and that's concerning they aren't they aren't a better offensive line than the titans that we that we're getting ready to play um and they've got a, a good rushing attack too so the the fact that the, that's the performance our, our run defense gave. Um, I hate it. I, I, it's really concerning. So when this offseason, when, you know, every now and then you'd hear something from, from Darius Leonard talking about how he wanted to have 10 sacks, five interceptions, 200 tackles, I cringed every time. I cringed because I, it would – I've said it before, but it, it was going to be almost impossible for him to match the numbers that he put up last year, just due to the fact that there are only so many tackles to be made on a football field, right? You, you can't, you can't just synthesize tackles unless, you know, some teams going on a long drive, you're the only guy worth anything on the defense, you know, and teams just constantly drive up and down the field and they're just running the ball. You're Pat Angerer at that point. You're, you're a good tackler on a bad team making, making tackles on run plays eight yards down the field. Um, that's the only way that Darius Leonard was getting to 200 tackles this year, and that's just not something that I saw as possible. Uh, after this performance, it looks more possible, but still, it, it was one of those things where I was just, I hated the fact that he was doing that. It, you know, I get it, but at the same time, it, it was, it just felt like it put, a, it was putting some bad juju on the season, and, and, uh, you know, this is called overreaction, uh, what I'm overreacting to. So I'm overreacting to, to all of it. I just, I, I didn't feel good about it in the off season. I felt great about the, the run stopping ability, but I didn't feel great about the way that he was talking. And then now that we've seen this game, uh, man, it's just, I'm really concerned moving forward. And if we can't stop the run, um, you know, my prediction of, of 10 wins this season, it's going to start dropping pretty quick. So this is one that I do think is an overreaction. Uh, and I think that this is a typical thing that it's easy to overreact to in week one. And it, it bothered me too. But when I actually watched this film, the thing that jumped out at me is that there were so many mistakes across the board that just don't see. And this is one of them where, um, and I may, I'm sort of stepping on, um, I'm sort of stepping on 
my next bit. So I'm going to actually, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm suspicious that some of the off season and the way that they ran things in the off season maybe impacts how the, how they play the run because they took a less physical approach. And we'll get more into that here in a second. But I, I, I wonder if this is sort of, and, and Matty Rufloos talked about this in his, he talked to the, he had a press conference today and they had uh, Sirianni and Rufloos both talked and he mentioned, yeah, the tackling is always worse early on in the season and will continually progressively get better as the season goes on. And basically to me, that spoke to that same mentality that, Hey, we didn't do a lot of active tackling. And so guys didn't tackle as soundly. Um, they didn't hit a lot and were just rusty and, and maybe they're just going to get off to a slow start. Also, some of that I think factors in the fact that you've got Philip rivers there who is causing some level of hesitation with all of these players. And I think maybe all of that combined just, resulted in a bad game. Now, if they go out and let Derrick Henry run wild on them in Tennessee, then I think we can start asking some questions about what has happened with this team in terms of run defense. But if they lock it down next week, I think we can say, okay, maybe this was a blip. And, you know, we had some guys who just, they all decided to have an off game together. And, uh, and hopefully we see an improvement going forward. But yeah, that would be my take on that. One thing that stood out to me, um, And one play in particular is a real long run uh, that Leonard failed to wrap up the tackle and went for the, the strip instead. Uh, went to punch the ball out, well, you know, which he famously did quite a bit last year and it's wonderful to see. But at that point, you're almost, you know, 15, 20 yards downfield, like just stop the guy at that point. And I think even Eberflus mentioned it today uh, that that was a factor in why his guys were not wrapping up uh, a lot of the tackles that they should have because they were going uh, for that fumble more often than they were concerned with actually uh, getting the guy down. Yeah. And that definitely plays a role. I mean, if you're going to, if you're going to go for the the turnover instead of the tackle, it's going to be problematic. And while there's definitely going to be times that pays off, it's kind of got to be a fine line there where you say, Hey, go for the tackle, but also be thinking about the turnover. Um, but ultimately the tackle is priority one. And it seemed like they had that flipped a little bit. Like they've got the, they've got the turnover, creating the turnover as one a and tack, make the tackle as one B and it needs to be flipped. Yeah. I, yeah. I hope you guys are right. I hope this isn't a big deal, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really actually, uh, maybe it's just because I'm a Colts fan and I've lived through some really terrible defenses, but I'm not feeling good about it. I, I hope I'm wrong. Well, and, and the other thing is, and I wonder about this, and Shepard, maybe, you know, maybe you'll agree. I think getting Jabal Sheard back will be a big improvement in the run game. His his impact on the run defense is significant, and I don't know how long he's going to – I'm going to be interested to hear what they say about him in the next couple of weeks because they elected not to put him on IR, which tells us that they expected him back before eight weeks, and I – I would think even if they if they thought he was going to be seven weeks, I would think they would still have probably put him on IR rather than carry him on the roster. Right. Um, so it makes me think that it's probably closer to the early part of the season. So maybe this first quarter of the season, they think they could get him back after four or five games. And if that's the case, then that goes a long way because I don't think – I mean, you've got no significant run threat to speak of at least – uh, in terms of 
of major running teams in you know the Raiders or really in the in terms of the Falcons not not like a power running team that you need to worry about really if you get through Tennessee and and feel okay about it um you know maybe maybe you start to get a better grip on things before you go into that second part of the or second quarter of the season if you can get Jabal Sheard back so hopefully hopefully that's the case and maybe he makes a big impact when he gets back yeah i think that he'll definitely have an impact he's uh he's for my money, the the second best defensive end we have on the team, it can't hurt. I think he holds up well in the run game, so it can't hurt to get a guy like that back. And and uh, hopefully, like you said, he's back sooner rather than later. Agreed. All right, all right. So our last segment before we get out of here, because we're already going a little bit long. This is what happens when we introduce segments here. We get we get a little bit uh, a little bit feisty, and we end up going long here. Uh, we're just going to give one our one takeaway from this game, uh, just something that we took. From this experience and from week one, and Jim, I'm going to let you go ahead and get us started here. Your one takeaway from week one uh, from this Colts game. The offense is going to be fine, guys. It's going to be okay. Um, you know, I, I in this one game, so maybe I'm still overreacting, but this looked like the Colts offense we watched last year, and I don't think a whole lot's really changed. Um Jacoby Brissett did what he was supposed to do. Our run game was phenomenal. Uh, and also, all that running and no holding calls, that's that's a clean game. Now, granted, uh, it seems like the, uh, the caveat that it looks like the refs were not interested in, hold, in calling holding that often. Um, but, you know, it's been a... As, as a Colts fan, there's been the past, you know, well, before last season... Whenever a long run broke out, when it rarely did, I just cringed and waited for the flag because it was inevitable. That it was be a I was doing it on Marlon on Marlon Max sixty five yeah. yarder. I was absolutely yeah, watching, hundred percent waiting for it, and it never came. And it was great. And i i have I came into the season actually higher on our defense, uh, so definitely more disappointed by that. But uh, yeah, our offense is going to be fine as long as we keep guys healthy. And can keep our depth somewhat where it is now. Uh, I think this offense is going to do just fine. Well, and they did that against a good defense. This wasn't just a bunch of scrubs. This is a this is maybe yeah. the most balanced mm-hmm. team in the AFC. I agree. Um, well, with all of the stuff going on in New England, I'm not sure that's true anymore. But it it, it was at one point mm-hmm. before horribleness set in in uh, New England, as per the usual. Uh, it, it's maybe the most balanced team in the AFC and maybe the, maybe in the NFL. Um, obviously Derwin James being gone makes an impact. They've, they've don't have some players that are significant there and we don't want to not credit them for that loss. Cause obviously it is significant, but, um, this is not a bunch of nobodies and the offense looked like you said, Jim, it, it ran the way you want it to run. There was nothing, there was no point on offense that I felt really frustrated watching it and, that's that's exactly what you want to see. It looked like they're going to survive just fine. Uh, Frank Reich is still, in fact, a pretty darn good plate caller. So we, yep. we can expect to see pretty him much. continue to be successful that way. I wish that there was somebody on the internet, maybe maybe somebody maybe somebody that wrote for Stampede Blue that 
could have looked at the Colts offense and, and looked at what they do and, and then made this prediction based on on all the things that Frank Reich likes to do and what we know about Jacoby Brissett and, and the Colts offense. I wish that someone could have done that and written something and, and posted it so that we all could have known that this was a, a probability. Uh, maybe you should uh, find something like that for us. and I, I should, you know, I... I yeah. Man, I don't know what I've been doing with my time. I should have. I mean, and, I mean, if somebody had if somebody had written something like that, we could have done a whole show about it. I mean, that'd have been excellent. yeah, probably. Yeah, it would have been cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what could have should have? What could have been? <laughs> All right, Shepard. What what was your one takeaway? Um, so my one takeaway from the game was that the game was lost due to several factors. Um, you mentioned when you, when you talked about, you know, overreacting to, to Vinny and, in his bad day, um, certainly Adam Vinatieri did not help us win that game. Um, and had he hit those kicks, it's true. The Colts would have won in regulation. There wouldn't have been any need for overtime, wouldn't have had to worry about the NFL's all, still awful overtime rules. I've always thought that the NFL's gotten overtime wrong. Win, lose, or draw, I don't care. The NFL has a, it's got a bad overtime process, and I hate it. Um, with that said, um, we would have won the game had Vinny made those kicks. Also, with that said, uh, we wouldn't have needed Vinny had we stepped up, played good defense. Um, that's that's the bottom line. Had we come out, had we gotten third down stops, had we not committed a couple of penalties, and had the refs maybe you know have been a little a little more or a little closer to midseason form, um, you know maybe uh, maybe things would have broken a different way. But it's not all on Vinny. There are definitely things that the team can improve upon, uh, and hopefully they will improve upon. I believe in the coaching staff enough to believe that they are going to make some of those improvements, and they are going to play better as the season goes on. But um, I, I think that the one thing I took away was that it was bigger than just Vinny. He's he's a guy that I mean he's he's been doing it for a million years. Of course, he's going to step up and accept blame for the loss and. In a lot of ways, it is his fault, but in a lot of ways, um, it's not all on him, and, and there are a lot of things that these Colts can get better at. Absolutely. Um, yep. Uh, one one person that I forgot to mention in the winners and losers who should definitely be in the losers category because, um, you know, you just kind of you touched on this is the because of the overtime rules. Clayton Gathers deserves an L for calling heads. Who calls heads? Come on. Come on, Clayton. <laughs> Always go tails. <laughs> Um, and, and then to pick the uh, the end zone in which Vinatieri has missed all of his kicks. Yeah, so which I mean, oh, I didn't understand that either. Overtime yeah. is awful, but doing it the worst way possible is not better. Yeah, come on, Clayton. Um, so <laughs> step up your coin flip game, Clayton. Yeah, ridiculous, <laughs> because that should be how a game is determined. Um, <laughs> And and for the record, I fully believe if the Colts win that toss, they go down and score a touchdown the exact same way. Both offenses were basically unstoppable yeah, at that point. Um, so I agree with you. Not a great system, and they definitely should fix it. But um, So my takeaway, I kind of touched mm-hmm. on it, so we won't go too deep into it because obviously we're already over on time anyway. But uh, there's a price to going easy during the preseason and trying to stay healthy. And while there's a ton of value in being healthy when the season gets here, and obviously we saw that because last season at this time, our offensive line was a wreck because there was not a starting right tackle. There was not a starting left tackle. There were a bunch of of guys just shuffling around trying uh, to hang on. And they looked pretty rough for the first five games of the season because of that fact. And because of other injuries that took place, 
And we know we've lost players to injury, but the thing is repetition makes players better. Um, getting live tackling in, having physical practices, that matters. Having those preseason games where your starters play, that matters. And on defense, I think that made a big difference. And I think we'll see, hopefully, as the season progresses, that they improve because of, of you know playing in those games and improving week to week. But we watched a little bit of that, maybe, of them having to shake off the rust. And when you have to shake off rust against Phillip Rivers and a very good Chargers team, that sucks. You're gonna have a you're gonna have a tough uh, a tough challenge. Thankfully, they get to go. We get to go beat up on our baby brother uh, this weekend, and um, and so maybe that is an opportunity to kind of catch back up. And I'm sorry, guys. I'm just telling you now. If you are a Titans fan for some reason listening to this, you're not going to want to listen to the next week's episode or to the next episode because I'm gonna we're gonna be throwing shade at you for a solid hour and fifteen it's minutes be real bad. with every. With every opportunity. And if you dislike the Titans, you're going to really enjoy this episode because we're just going to make offhanded comments about Titans fans and the Titans in general um, for an entire show. So I'm going to I'm I'm just going to tell the truth about the Titans. And that lets me know that their fans are going to be very upset with what I have to say. I'm going to tell the truth about the Titans and be as mean spirited about it as possible. I'm going to come out with ad hominem attacks like I don't care. I'm not above it. Yeah, I, I will gladly. Yeah, it, it's it'll be fun. Them. So, um, yeah. but yeah, I, uh, honestly, I think that that took a toll a little bit on the start to the season, and maybe we'll see the defense improve as the season goes. So, that's my takeaway. I was overall pleased with the performance. Obviously, disappointed to not get the win, but I think, like many Colts fans, there's a sense that. The confidence that I had going into that game was not misplaced. That this belief in Jacoby Brissett was a fair one, and that this team is still going to be a very competitive, fun team to watch this season. And that's that's really encouraging because if nothing else, you want to be able to have your team be fun. It would be, I mean, I can't imagine having to be a Dolphins fan and and looking at the product that you're getting put on the field for an entire season. Uh, or, or, or be a Browns fan and watch what your team did last week uh, when your team was supposed to be so good. It's exciting to see the Colts play up to the expectations to some degree that they had for themselves and to really just, even though they didn't get the desired result, to know that we're going to have a fun team to watch all season long. All right, guys. Well, we've gone way over um, what we normally would do, and so we're going to get out of here. We're going to um, be back on Friday. We're going to have our game preview episode going through all things Titans. We're going to be talking about you know, their how their offense, defense, and special teams match up with the Colts and what we expect to see on Sunday. And um, as always, thanks for checking out the show. We appreciate your, your feedback. Whenever we get it from you, we, we're, I mean, I really appreciate the comments on the Stampede Blue site. That's always always really nice and easy way for us to get that quickly. But also, we really appreciate the reviews and ratings on iTunes. Five stars, really appreciate it. It does help us to know how we're doing. It helps us to uh, to be able to give tangible results to, to others to show you know how things are going for us. So we really appreciate you tuning in. Follow us at Chris Blystone at NFL Scheme and at Jim Campbell eighty one on Twitter and interact with us there. We're glad to interact with you that way, and um, 
take advantage of sponsorship offers. We appreciate when you do that. It does benefit us when you do. And we've, we've got, as we talked about last week, we've got our, uh, skin it stuff. I still, I'm now a week away. I still have not put mine on my switch. I got a, a cover for my Nintendo switch for my kids. Oh, nice. And I still have not put it on. Um, I'm excited about it, but it's way more complicated than a phone. I would recommend unless you really like doing decal work and stuff that you just get a phone case. <laughs> if you buy from them, it looks really cool, but it's also going to take me a long time. And I am not like just, I'm not just like drowning in free time. So I have not yet put it on, but really cool stuff from skin it. Check out the link in, uh, on, in the story for that. If you want to check that out and you get a discount using the code stampede, we do appreciate when you do it, we get, uh, uh, some back every time that you purchase, it helps the show directly. So really, really cool of you to do that and check out with check out content on stampede blue shepherds already got his first scouting report up and already got Titans fans nice and rowdy, uh, talking about their offense he'll have the defensive scouting report and special teams up as the week goes on and so you can check all that stuff out and bone up in time to uh be ready for sunday and i think that's it guys i think we're gonna get out of here and we will catch you guys on friday laters yeah Thank you.